This past week, the world was humming with the news of President Donald Trump's decision to decertify the American participation in the Iranian nuclear deal. This is in keeping with Bible prophecy that lays out the positions of the nations when it comes to hostility towards Israel in the time of the end. On the one side, Russia will form an alliance against Israel, as we read in Ezekiel chapter 38 in verses 3 to 4. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Rosh, as the RSB puts it, which is Russia, Meshech, or Moscow, and Tubal, or Tobolsk. And I will turn thee back, and I will put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth, and all of thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. And on the other side of this equation are the merchants of Tarshish and their Arabic allies. As we read in Ezekiel 38 down at verse 13, We have Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? So it was exciting to see these alliances coming to place this week. As President Trump announced America's decertification of the Iranian nuclear deal, which sparked worldwide responses, dividing the nations along these biblical lines. Listen to some of Trump's statements. Upon taking office, I've ordered a complete strategic review of our policy toward the rogue regime in Iran. That review is now complete. Today, I am announcing our strategy, along with several major steps we are taking to confront the Iranian regime's hostile actions and to ensure that Iran never, and I mean never, acquires a nuclear weapon. Our policy is based on a clear-eyed assessment of the Iranian dictatorship its sponsorship of terrorism, and its continuing aggression in the Middle East and all around the world. Now, what is interesting to note is the U.S. policy is based on Iran's movements in the Middle East. This is reiterated later in his statements. Given the regime's murderous past and present, we should not take lightly its sinister vision for the future. The regime's two favorite chants are death to America and death to Israel. Realizing the gravity of the situation, the United States and the United Nations Security Council sought over many years to stop Iran's pursuit of nuclear weapons with a wide array of strong economic sanctions. But the previous administration lifted these sanctions just before what would have been the total collapse of the Iranian regime through the deeply controversial 2015 nuclear deal with Iran. And again, it is clear to see what the issue is. By its own terms, the Iran deal was supposed to contribute to regional and international peace and security. And yet, while the United States adheres to our commitment under the deal, the Iranian regime continues to fuel conflict, terror, 
and turmoil throughout the Middle East and beyond. Again, the new plan revealed the same thing. So today, in recognition of the increasing menace posed by Iran, and after extensive consultations with our allies, I am announcing a new strategy to address the full range of Iran's destructive actions. First, we will work with our allies to counter the regime's destabilizing activity and support for terrorist proxies in the region. Second, we will place additional sanctions on the regime to block their financing of terror. Third, we will address the regime's proliferation of missiles and weapons that threaten its neighbors' global trade and freedom of navigation. And finally, we will deny the regime all paths to a nuclear weapon. Now, the reasons are made very clear as to why the U.S. is pushing this so strongly. Since the signing of the nuclear agreement, the regime's dangerous aggression has only escalated. At the same time, it has received massive sanctions relief while continuing to develop its missiles program. Now, speaking of the law passed by the American Congress governing the suspension of sanctions on Iran, Trump pointed out his responsibility to the American people as the president. Among other conditions, this law requires the president or his designee to certify that the suspension of sanctions under the deal is appropriate and proportionate to measure and other measures taken by Iran to terminate its illicit nuclear program. Based on the factual record I have put forward, I am announcing today that we cannot and will not make this certification. We will not continue down a path whose predictable conclusion is more violence, more terror, and the very real threat of Iran's nuclear breakout. That is why I am directing my administration to work closely with Congress and our allies to address the deal's many serious flaws so that the Iranian regime can never threaten the world with nuclear weapons. To protect against a deadlock in the review of the Iran deal, President Trump was very clear as to what he's going to do. In the event we are not able to reach a solution working with Congress and our allies, then the agreement will be terminated. It is under continuous review and our participation can be canceled by me as president at any time. So America is clearly interested in the welfare of its allies in the region, such as Israel and Saudi Arabia, both threatened by the Iranian terror proxies in Syria and Yemen. So it's no surprise to see Israel's reaction to this announcement. Let's listen to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's response. Israel fully supports President Trump's bold decision today to reject the disastrous nuclear deal with the terrorist regime in Tehran. Israel has opposed the nuclear deal from the start because we said that rather than blocking Iran's path to a bomb, the deal actually paves Iran's path to an entire arsenal of nuclear bombs, and this within a few years' time. The removal of sanctions under the deal 
has already produced disastrous results. The deal didn't push war further away, it actually brought it closer. The deal didn't reduce Iran's aggression, it dramatically increased it. And we see this across the entire Middle East. Since the deal, we've seen the Iran aggression grow every day in Iraq, in Lebanon, in Yemen, in Gaza, and most of all, in Syria, where Iran is trying to establish military bases from which to attack Israel. So Israel's interests are obviously much more than economic, but the security of its people against the aggressive elements of Nebuchadnezzar's image of world empires. Now, the UK Daily Express ran a headline, World War III Fears, Russia Backs Iran As Putin Stares Down Trump. The paper went on to report, World War III fears are growing after Russia rushed to back Iran in the Middle East escalating nuclear crisis, a move which plunges Vladimir Putin into a deadly standoff with Donald Trump. Now, ABC News posted an article with the headline, U.S. move on Iran brings Russia and Europe closer together. The article stated, President Vladimir Putin's foreign affairs advisor, Yuri Yushakov, said the Russian president discussed the situation around the 2015 nuclear deal in Friday's phone call with German Chancellor Angela Merkel, and their positions were practically identical. Yushakov added that Putin will have further discussions on the issue with Merkel and French President Emmanuel Macron when they visit Russia this month. Yushakov's statement reflected a Kremlin hope that a rift between Washington and its European allies will offer a chance of rebuilding ties with Europe's economic powerhouses. Europe is rattled by President Donald Trump's decision to reimpose sanctions on Iran. That means European countries must hold business with Iran or face U.S. punishment. End quote. Now, in the face of U.S. sanctions, Russia is signing a free trade pact with Iran. The Boston Globe reported under the headline, Russia and Allies to Sign Trade Pact with Iran. And the article stated, The Kremlin said Friday that Russia and its ex-Soviet allies will sign a free trade pact with Iran, the latest fallout from the U.S. withdrawal from the Iran nuclear deal. President Vladimir Putin's foreign affairs advisor, Yuri Yushakov, said the deal among Iran... Russia and other members of the Moscow-dominated Eurasian Economic Union is to be signed next week, and the group includes Kazakhstan, Belarus, Armenia, and Kyrgyzstan, end quote. Well, going on from here, we also have the French reaction. The response from France was made very clear, as CTV reported. French finance minister Bruno Le Maire said on Europe One Radio that Europe should not accept that the U.S. is the world's economic policeman. Le Maire asked, do we want to be vassals who obey decisions taken by the United States while clinging to the hem of their trousers? Or do we want to say we have our own economic interests? We consider we will continue to do trade with Iran. While it should come as no surprise either that the European Union would not support Trump, listen to the High Representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Federico Mogherini's acidic response. It is not a bilateral agreement. It does not belong to any single country, and it is not up to any single country to terminate it. It is a multilateral agreement, which was unanimously endorsed by the United Nations Security Council Resolution 2231. 
The deal has prevented and continues to prevent, will continue to prevent, Iran from developing nuclear weapons. The Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action represents a key and functioning pillar of the international non-proliferation architecture that is even more important to preserve at a time of acute nuclear threat. We believe we have a collective responsibility to preserve it for our own collective security. The United States domestic process, and I underline domestic, following today's announcement of President Trump, is now in the hands of the United States Congress. The GCPOA is not a domestic issue, but a UN Security Council resolution. The international community and the European Union with it has clearly indicated that the deal is and will continue to be in place. In answering a question following the statement, the European Union's position was crystallized even further. This deal is not a bilateral agreement. This is not an international treaty. This is an annex, a very long annex, to a UN Security Council resolution, unanimously adopted. To my knowledge, there's not one single country in the world that can terminate a UN Security Council resolution that has been adopted, even more so adopted unanimously and implemented and verified, and with the rest of the international community continuing to support and implement it. So it is clearly not in the hands of any president of any country in the world to terminate an agreement of this sort, because this is a UN Security Council resolution. This is a plan of action that sets things to be done, commitments, nuclear-related commitments, and only nuclear-related commitments, and that is being implemented. So uh, the President of the United States has many powers, not this one. So it becomes very clear that the European Union is completely uninterested in Iran's support of terrorism, both against Israel and Saudi Arabia. The arrogant pride with which this statement was given is remarkable. And it is no surprise. At the time of the end, the nations of Europe will be allied to Russia and Iran against Israel and the King of the South powers, which include America and Saudi Arabia. We read in Ezekiel chapter 38, as we continue down to verse 5, that Persia, or Iran, Ethiopia, and Libya will be with them, that is, the Russians. All of them, with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarmer of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. And he continues, In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword, and is gathered out of many people, against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Now, this verse also includes the areas of Gomer and Tagarma, which correspond to the area of Turkey in the Caucasus region. The Gomeric tribes migrated across Europe and identified with France, or Gaul, and Germany, while the area of Mago constitutes Eastern Europe. But Turkey's position was also made clear as reported by the Times of Israel. We read, following the announcement of Turkish president, it feared Trump's decision could open up new conflicts. The unilateral withdrawal of the United States from the nuclear deal is a decision that will cause instability and new conflicts, said Ibrahim Kalin, spokesperson for President Erdogan on Twitter. Turkey will continue to resolutely oppose all types of nuclear arms. 
Turkey and Iran are striving to develop pragmatic relationships with each other, particularly over Syria, which borders both countries, despite a long-standing reciprocal distrust, end quote. Now, Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states have taken a completely different side of the fence when it comes to this. The Saudi Arabian foreign minister was interviewed by CNN's Wolf Blitzer regarding the Saudi support for President Trump. Joining us now from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia's foreign minister, Adel al-Jaber. Foreign minister, thanks so much for joining us. Why do you, the Saudi government, support President Trump's decision? We believe that the nuclear deal was flawed. We believe that the sunset clause uh, should be eliminated. We believe that the inspections should be tightened. We believe that the deal does not deal with the Iran's ballistic missile program, nor does it deal with Iran's support for terrorism and interference in the affairs of the countries of the region. So again, like America and Israel, the Saudis' issue with Iran is not just the nuclear issue, but also Iran's support of terrorism in the region. When questioned about what Saudi Arabia would do, he stated, We will do whatever it takes to protect our people. We have made it very clear that if Iran acquires a nuclear capability, we will do everything we can to do the same. Our message to the Iranian leadership is the policies of the past have have got to come to an end. You cannot be a revolution. You cannot seek to expand and dominate the region. You cannot seek to acquire a nuclear program surreptitiously. You must abide by international law. You must cease supporting terrorism. You must cease providing ballistic missiles to terrorist organizations like so-called Hezbollah and the Houthis. And you must respect the principle of good neighborliness. So when asked why the agreement was so flawed, the Saudis were clear, something the European Union is not willing to acknowledge because it's more interested in its own economic interests than the peace in the Middle East. The agreement is flawed because in, by 2025 it allows Iran the ability to have unlimited enrichment capability, which could cause it to build capacity to the point where it can have enough enriched uranium for a nuclear weapon within a week. That is clearly not acceptable. Now, the scriptures don't just indicate the Saudis will be on the other side of the fence in the latter days. Daniel 11 speaks of Edom, Moab, and Ammon, which correspond to the geographical area of modern-day Jordan. Ezekiel 38 speaks of Sheba and Dedan, which is encompassing the geographical area of Saudi Arabia and the other Gulf states. Isaiah 19 and Daniel 11 describe Egypt being attacked by the Russians, described as the cruel lord or the king of the north. Now, the Saudi minister also clearly stated who was on side with the USA and them in their position, exactly as the Bible describes. Uh, the sanctions will be reimposed. We support the U.S. position. Our allies in Bahrain and in the uh, United Arab Emirates and in Jordan and Egypt support this decision. The GCC Secretary General supports it. The Arab League Secretary General supports it. The Secretary General of the Organization of Islamic Countries also supports it. Now, regarding Iran's support for the Houthis in the region and their continued bombardment of Riyadh, the Saudis were also very clear. We are trying to avoid at all costs direct military action vis-à-vis Iran, but Iran's behavior such as this cannot continue. This is tantamount to a declaration of war. When somebody provides missiles to a terrorist group that lobs those missiles at your cities and your civilians indiscriminately, what do you call it, a friendly act? Of course not. This is, of course, the same issue Israel faces with Hezbollah and Iran in Syria. Now, the past two weeks have seen tensions soar in the Middle East. The hostilities began when an Iranian-armed drone violated Israeli airspace. Israel responded by bombing the launch site for the drone. Now, following Trump's announcement, Iranian forces in Syria fired 20 missiles into Israel. This was followed by Israel filing 70 missiles from 28 planes into Syria, targeting Iranian bases in the region. 
The Israeli newspaper Haaretz reported Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman said Thursday morning that Israel has struck all of the Iranian infrastructure in Syria. Lieberman said that Israel does not seek escalation, but added that it won't allow Iran to turn Syria into a forward base against Israel. Reports in Syria said that Israel had also struck army posts as positions used by Hezbollah and the Iranian-backed militias in the Syrian Golan near Druze villages, close to the border with Israel. The report said that the rockets that struck Israel overnight were fired from these posts. Now it is reported that eight Iranians were killed in the attack. The report continued, This is the first time Israel directly accuses Iran of firing towards Israeli territory. During the Syrian civil war, rockets were fired at Israel from Syria several times, usually by groups in southern Syria that are affiliated with Iran, Hezbollah, and the Assad regime. End of quote. Well, this week saw tensions rise worldwide. The United States reestablished its second fleet due to the growing Russian tension. CNN reported, amid heightened tensions with Russia, the U.S. Navy announced Friday the reestablishment of the U.S. Second Fleet, which will be responsible for naval forces along the East Coast and the Northern Atlantic Ocean. Our national defense strategy makes clear that we're back in an era of great power competition as the security environment continues to grow more challenging and complex. Chief of Naval Operations Admiral John Richardson said at the change of command ceremony Friday in Norfolk, Virginia. That is why today we're standing up the second fleet to address these changes, particularly in the Northern Atlantic, he added. NATO is refocusing on the Atlantic in recognition of the great power competition prompted by the resurgent Russia, Pentagon spokesman John Michael told CNN. End of quote. Well, again, this is in keeping with the biblical portrayal of the time of the end, where many ships of the King of the North, described in Daniel 11.40, will be counterbalanced by the ships of Tarshish, described in Ezekiel 38, verse 13, and Isaiah 60, verse 19. CNN reported under the headline, U.S. stealth fighters intercept Russian bombers off the coast of Alaska. Two Russian Tu-95 Bear bombers were intercepted by the U.S. F-22 stealth fighters in international airspace off the coast of Alaska on Friday, according to the North Atlantic or North American Aerospace Defense Command. At approximately 10 a.m. Eastern Time, two Alaskan-based NORAD F-22 fighters intercepted and visually identified two Russian Tu-95 Bear long-range bomber aircraft flying into the air defense identification zone around the western coast of Alaska, north of the Aleutian Islands. NORAD NORTHCOM spokesman, Canadian Army Major Andrew Hennessy said in a statement, So as the world ratchets up tensions in preparations for World War III, drawing its sides, joining each side, arming themselves, let us prepare to meet our our Lord. Because we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 to 9, Ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, 
be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible in the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.